All right, let's go to Ephesians in chapter number six here tonight as we consider Paul's words to this uh, dear church. Ephesians in chapter number six. Good to have Brother Sam here tonight as he's been in and able to be here. Thankful for that. All right, Ephesians chapter number six. <clears throat> I've been helped by this verse. I hope it'll come across um, to you in that way or be a help to you, I mean. And um, I know all of us, I think, would agree that um, we need to be reminded about the importance of our prayer life. You know, somebody said, if you want to humble a Christian, just ask them about their prayer life, right? And, and uh, so we all need that. I think if, if, if there's anything in the Christian life that probably most of us as Christians would say needs to be improved, it'd be our prayer life. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, just thinking about it. And so we're going to see that uh, tonight. And I had fully intended to go through at least three verses, but I think one's going to be enough for us to really get this considered. And and, uh, and there's still going to be application, no doubt, that I need to do personally and that maybe you will uh, as well. And so let's give this consideration. It's not going to hurt us to start in verse 10. So let's, let's go ahead and reread. We've been reading this passage and rereading it, but I, I think it's purposeful and needful, you know, at this time. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, that's a key verse. In fact, what we're going to read tonight is really a reflection of that verse. Be strong in the Lord. He gives this admonition in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the deceitful schemes, the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take, he says, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In fact, you could, just looking at it, in fact, I circled these words, just follow the verbs in the Bible. Oftentimes, if you'll just follow the verbs, Remember from English class what a verb is? Okay, I'll get with you later, Brother Seth. A, a verb, now follow the verbs. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, follow the verbs. And so here it was, um, as it was in verse 13, take. Verse 14, stand. And then some participles or gerunds, having, 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 take. You see it? It'll, it? It carries the idea of what Paul is getting across. And so that actually brings us to the next two... Um, participles or gerunds that are here, praying and then watching. Okay, do you see them? All right, look at it in verse 18, I'm sorry. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right, and we'll stop our reading there, but 
But then the missionary, the church planner, Paul says, would you pray for me in this way? And we'll come to that. In fact, it's really going to work out, I think, providentially where we are in the series in getting us ready for the missions conference and thinking about our missionaries. So um, I'm trusting God will bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Then we'll get right to it here tonight. Calling this message in particular, our mode of operation, our mode of operation. And, uh, and then this thought along with that, the critical role of prayer in your spiritual conflict. The, your, I'm sorry, the critical role of prayer in your, I at first had the spiritual conflict and that would stand, the spiritual conflict, implying that we're all in it, but let's, let's personalize it here tonight. Your spiritual conflict, all right? So the vital role of prayer in your spiritual conflict. Warren Wiersbe, who I know I often quote, but he's quote worthy, all right? Um, he said this, we are never out of reach of Satan's devices, so we must never be without the whole armor of God. We are never out of reach of Satan's devices, so we must never be without the whole armor of God. And so I've, I've really enjoyed taking every part of this and, and truly could have been a whole series that would have stretched out for even more weeks, but we've tried basically to cover two parts of the armor at a time, each service. Every part of your life is important, every part, and thus uh, you must be covered spiritually from head to toe. So that's what we've seen. All right, let me, let me just review. I'm, I, I promise I'm not trying to be redundant, but it's, I mean, we're in a spiritual conflict and we need to know this. So Paul here is saying, look, you're in a conflict that you can't handle on your own. Here's how. All right, so it, not only, I'm, I'm so glad for that. It's not like he's saying, look, you're in a bad, you're in a bad situation. You know, I'm reminded of the, of the uh, captain as the battle was raging and they were literally surrounded by the enemy on every side. And, and he said, gentlemen, this, for the first time, we were able to attack the enemy from any angle. So that was his outlook on it. It wasn't that he was surrounded. It's just that they had the advantage of being able to attack from any angle. Well, I mean, that was a serious situation. That's a serious conflict. You know, I mean, uh, the storm that's on us. I mean, it's a serious storm. I told the family on the way in tonight. I mean, it was a lot more treacherous on the way here tonight than it was this morning. Right. And, and we sense that. And but I, I said, you know, the thing that makes this even more dangerous and, and perhaps one of the more dangerous that I've personally I'm not you know, <laughs> trying to say more than I should, but just that more dangerous is that not only is it slick, but if you go off, then it just takes a moment of time. You're in a heap of trouble because of the cold, you know, the, the, the degrees and, and the, the coldness. So the only reason I'm mentioning that is this. Look, we are in a, I think as a country and even our church is in a various, very serious situation, the conditions. In fact, the conditions ought to cause us to give great attention to our preparation. You know, I made sure 
When I left this morning, you know that I was dressed right and had, had my hat. Hey, uh, when you go bald, you got to do something, friend. I'll tell you that. And you got to think about it. And, and so I've got stuff, you know, something to wear on my head, my ear uh, muffs and, and just, you know, scarf and coat and, and boots. I wore boots. I, wore, I brought my uh, dress shoes yesterday so that I had prepared look, a preparation ahead of time. Look, what I'm saying is that the situation that we're in requires careful and diligent preparation to be able to stand. And God prov has provided what we need. He says, listen, you're in a serious situation. Here's, the, here's what you need to be outfitted for this conflict. Your, your loins gird about with truth. You need to know what truth is. And, and ladies and gentlemen, there is truth. We're, we're, God didn't leave us to, to, to assign meaning to things and we're not, we're not to be uh, relativistic in our thinking. I mean, God's given us his word, it is truth. And we're undergirded by that. Okay, so we've got truth. Our loins gird about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness to know what is right and to know what is wrong and to guard your heart. I mean, I believe Paul very purposefully uh, assigned each, each part of this armor to a certain part of the body as he thought about, well, you need righteousness covering your vital organs. Okay, so you've got truth holding everything together, giving you strength, you know, gird up the loins with truth and, and then the breastplate of righteousness and, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace to, to stand your ground and not slide, all right? Not flip-flop Christianity, Right. We've already covered that. Not flip flop Christianity, but but to have the right kind of shoes, you know, the, the boots that I wore uh, on the way here, they got good tread to them, you know, so it can dig in and not slide. So um, he says you need to be equipped that way. And and then he talks about uh, the shield of faith that would cover them against the fiery darts of the wicked. And and then last week we talked about that um, you're not ready for the battle till you get the helmet on. Just like a football player, it'd be the last thing they, they put on. They've got their pads on. They've got the cleats on, all that. Helmet on, game on. Does that make sense? Here it is, helmet on, battle on. All right? And, and so what we saw last week was the helmet of salvation. We need to think right in this battle about salvation. That God has forgiven us and thus we're free from the penalty. We're saved from the penalty of sin in the past. We're saved from the power of sin in the present, and we will be saved from the very presence of sin in the future, right? That helmet of salvation, a right way of thinking about this. So that way you don't go into the battle already defeated and saying, well, I might as well just give in because I'm already, I'm already defeated. That's not true. Don't let Satan get in your head. I'm not trying to re-preach the message, but I'm just trying to say uh, the helmet of salvation is so vitally important. And then the sword of the Spirit. That one piece of the weaponry that would have to do with both offense and defense. But in the context, I think what he's getting across is the sword of the spirit, uh, which I really enjoyed preaching. I had the attention at least of all the young, uh, the boys last Sunday night, you know, and, and having the sword here, you know, and the shing. I mean, that was, anyways, okay, I'm still a kid at heart, right? But, but uh, you know, that, that sword, but it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay. And what was interesting in the study about that is how that this is the one part of the defense that drives the enemy as a whole back 
You know, as, as the sword is drawn and as, as the warrior would, 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 uh, would advance with the shield or with the shield and sword and, and the way he could do that, it would drive the enemy back. And isn't that what exactly our Savior did as he used scripture and Satan was driven back and driven back and driven back. So that's what he says. But, but wait a minute. The reason I took some time on all these parts is this. All that's not enough. That's not enough. <laughs> I mean, you think, Brother Aaron, okay, I got my loins girt about with truth. I'm, I'm given to truth. I'm given to righteousness. I'm given to peace with God and others. I'm, I'm given, I, I know the importance of faith. I know the importance of salvation. I even, in some, could even art, articulate uh, great and deep soteriological truths about what it means to be saved. And to know that the Bible that we have preserved for us is indeed the sword of the Spirit that has never grown dull. It is sharp. It is alive. But listen, here, here's the fact. All oh, that's not enough. Well, that almost sounds weird to say, doesn't it? It almost sounds weird to, to say it that way. But I, I really want to try to drive this home because it's what Paul is, is certainly saying. He's saying, listen, all that has a place. But when he says praying with all prayer and supplication and watching, this is not another piece of the armor. It's not. Because he's, all the other parts have a body part assigned to it. Prayer doesn't have one. Do you follow me? The sword is in the hand and, it's, and they're fighting with it. But, but the, the prayer, it's not assigned one of the parts. It's not also associated with, with something else. So I submit to you that it is, it is not part of the Christian armor that is given to us by God. But it is absolutely vital for you. And for me to have victory in the Christian life, in fact, I, I will, on the authority of what the word is saying right here, say this tonight. Even if you are committed to truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God, you could still fail in your Christian life if you aren't given to prayer. Well, mercy. So that's the reason I'm saying prayer has got to be our, what is it, modus operandi? Modus operandi, I've heard it both ways, but operandi is how they say it on the dictionary.com. <laughs> what, what is a modus operandi? I mean, that's a Latin term or, or mode of operation. You know, your MO. Uh, criminals have an MO. That's not what we're talking about tonight, right? Every definition I looked up always referenced to how a, a criminal has a mode of operation. Well, I guess they do, but that's not what I'm interested in. All right. But what, what, is, what is a soldier's mode of operation? You know, they have a mode of operation, don't they? All, every branch does. Um, but what is the Christian's mode of operation? How do we operate? Okay, here, here's the danger. Um, believing right is important. Doctrine is important. 
Uh, some would refer to it, you know, in technical terminology, orthodoxy. To be orthodox, to be pure in doctrine, that's important. But that's not enough. Because you could be um, gun barrel straight doctrinally and still be indulging in the flesh. After the service, I'm sorry, before the service, I guess it was this morning, I'm losing track of time, but um, Brother Dennis Rhodes, we were visiting about a prominent Christian leader, and I'm not, I'm not going to mention the name, it's not my intent. If I, if I mention the individual's name, many of you uh, watching by live stream, many of you in this auditorium would recognize that, that name, even though it's not a Baptist uh, preacher, it's an individual that represented um, much of Christianity and and, and was very, very articulate and capable in terms of um, apologetics and, and, and stating things in a certain way. I mean, just, just truly remarkable. And yet evidently all this time has been living a double life. It's tragic. It, you know, it's, it's grievous because... That just gives fodder. That just gives ammunition to the enemy. Because they say, well, here's, here's your great, they would say, your great apologist, or here's your great theologian, or here's your great preacher. And look, he said this from pulpits, and he said this from in, in, in uh, secular settings, and, and, and waved the banner of Christianity, and waved the banner of truth, and yet all along living in sin. Well, that, hey, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm, I want to take heed lest I fall because every one of us are made of the same stuff. And I'll never forget, and in fact, I, I wanted to, it, it begged this question and he and I were out in the foyer asking this question, how, how could that be? How can that be that you can be given to orthodoxy, that you can be given to doctrinal truth, that you can, your loins are girt about with truth that, and the breastplate of righteousness seemingly is there. I mean, you know at least what is right and wrong and all those things can seem to be in place. And I don't know all the background and it's not my purpose or intent here tonight to delve into that and try to analyze and figure it out. But here's the intent tonight. I'm concerned about you and I'm concerned about our church and our church family and I'm concerned about your family. I'm concerned about your life because you could grow up in this church and know what's right and wrong and know every doctrine of the Bible and be able to quote from Genesis to Revelation all the books of the Bible and even spell them right. But if it's all just head knowledge and it's not really in your heart to the point where your mode of operating in this world is constant, fervent, biblical, spirit-filled prayer, you are susceptible to the enemy's attack. And I am too. I'll never, what I started to say a moment ago is I'll never forget uh, listening to a, a series by uh, Adrian Rogers, the late Adrian Rogers, and, and he was just talking to pastors about, uh, in fact, I was getting ready, to, Brother Yeager taught pastorology for many years, and, and, and Brother Hardy did, and so I stepped into that role to try to just teach some of the young men called to pastor what it, what it looks like, and I enjoyed that class, and, but I was trying to get ready for it. And, and I remember Adrian Rogers speaking to pastors, and he said this. He said, listen, men, Satan will tempt you to do good in the flesh, that he might tempt you to do evil in the flesh. And then he explained what he meant. 
There's a danger for every one of us, pastors included, that we just kind of know how to do the Christian thing. And, and we know the songs, we know the hymns. I mean, we, we know how to do the Christian thing. And, and even you get to a certain point where you, you've had some experience. And so there's a danger there that you get self-confident. Whereas when you started out preaching, I remember, you know, I mentioned this morning about starting to preach at, uh, in 1991 at age uh, 15 and, 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 and turn, whatever age it was, maybe six. Anyways, I, I got to keep going. Okay. But I remember surrendering to preach and being so frightened that I just spent a lot of time in prayer to get ready to preach. Well, I still need to. I still need to because just because I've had more experience, if my, my confidence in God was here and my confidence in myself was really way down here. Because I knew I, I, I wasn't able to preach. So that meant I had to spend a lot of time with God to hear from him to be able to convey that. But then here's the danger. I'm just using my personal example. And you can no doubt could, could plug in whatever your life situation is. That as time goes along and you learn more and you have more experience, then your confidence in yourself and your experience can come up and thus be right at a place where you think, you know, I don't need to spend as much time or as much time studying or preparing or praying over this or getting ready for this. And, and the next thing you know, it's been days since you've really had a meaningful time of prayer. I'm telling you, it's, it's a danger for every single believer. No doubt about it. Satan will tempt you to do good in the flesh. And that almost is like a setup to get you to fall. We talk about in volleyball, a bump, set, spike, you know, a bumping it and, and setting it up for the spike. Well, a lot of that, that's what it is, is Satan setting us up and getting us too busy, even in some, maybe some good things, so that we're not really communing with God and calling on Him for help like we need to. All right, now, where does this come out in our lives? Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, we, we want to be able to stand in this evil day. And, and a, the basic point of the passage in this verse is this, listen, we are in under such an imminent, imminent attack by Satan that we got to know what is true and all those other pieces of the armor that we've already walked through a couple times. All that's got to be in place. But here's the deal. When attacked, and even just as a normal course of everyday life, we've got to be people who pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray, our Savior said. And didn't he give us that example? You know, you just read the, the Gospels and you see Jesus often in prayer. Let me ask you this. Did he know theology? Well, sure he did. Did he know doctrine? Sure he did. Did he know scripture? He wrote it. So all that is in place. And yet he gave himself to prayer. That's our example. And, and I, I know that it's easy to read your Bible and then just kind of briefly pray and go on into the day. Well, there's danger right there. It's kind of like ice that you don't even see. Are you with me? It's, you don't even see, you don't even realize the danger that's there because, uh, you know, and I maybe, I mean, uh, you know, got up a little bit later or whatever, just, and just haven't really spent meaningful time in prayer. And every one of us, no doubt, have had seasons where we're guilty of that. And, and you have to re-clear place off. So if anything is accomplished by this message here tonight, I hope it even, even would be this, that it would just remind you, you need to clear some time off to spend some meaningful time with God in prayer. And especially, okay, let me say it this way in light of the text, because I think this is the context of it. Especially when you are attacked, 
or when your family is attacked, pray. Pray. I'll never forget, I don't think, um, Dr. House's message. I so appreciated it back last semester. Um, he, uh, he used the analogy, it may have been a year ago, nonetheless, of being in Vietnam. And one of the things that stood out to me was the vital importance of communication. Communication from those that were overseeing the strategy of the battle and communicating with people in the field. But then also this, and, and I don't remember all the context of it. It seems like to me that he gave a personal illustration or something of that nature that, that the convoy that he was leading, the platoon that he was leading was, was under a surprise attack and he had to very quickly maneuver, but not only maneuver, communicate. Radio for help. Radio for help. Well, what, what are we talking about? Here we are talking about the spiritual battle. What, how do we radio for help? Prayer. Dear God, help me. I know what is true, but, but right now here, I'm wavering on this. God, right now, I know what is right, but, I, but I'm in the heat of this battle right now and, 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 and uh, fiery darts are coming my way. Dear God, help. Hey, listen, I think that's what Paul is saying. Listen, you've got all of this at your disposal because God has given it to you. But with all that, don't forget to pray. You got to pray and call on God for help because you can't do all of this in the power of your flesh. That's the reason I say, I think this verse is taking us all the way back to verse number 10, where we are to be strong in the, in the power of the Lord, not our own power and our own strength and our own uh, acuteness and ability to articulate things. No, no, no. It's rather this, dear God, I need you desperately in this battle. Amen. I need you. Folks, I, uh, I look back on my life as a teenager here in preparation for this message, just thinking about it, not spending a lot of time. But, but I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have made it through my teenage years, and I've got regrets, I do, but I, I wouldn't have made it through those teenage years had I not learned what it meant to pray in the Spirit. You following me? Not just, dear God, please bless the food. Sure, looking forward to eating it. You know, just shallow prayer. But I'm, okay, two, two things is right, right here at our disposal, and it's connected together. Take the helmet of salvation and, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always. All this is connected. It goes back at least to take. Here's what you ought to take when you're attacked. Take the helmet, take the sword. You need communication from God, and I think basically this, you need to communicate with God. That's how you have victory in the battle. If you're going to have victory in the battle, you've got to have communication coming from God. We've got it. But also we've got to have communication going to God. Praying in the Spirit is not a weird thing. It's sad in many ways that we could allow, if we're not careful, charismatic theology to rob us of biblical truth right here. What does he mean praying in the Spirit? Well, Hey, the Pharisees prayed a lot and long and loud. And I would say probably very beautifully, I would imagine. I mean, if you heard them, I mean, you know, there they are and, and they're praying and, 
And I mean, they, I would, I would say that if we were just kind of standing by, we would, we would be pretty impressed. Whoa. Oh, they want you to be impressed. Whoa. Listen to that prayer. And yet Jesus called them out for it because it was just vain repetition and, and uh, the heathen were at least vain repetition and they did it for show. So evidently they prayed. So it's possible to pray and yet not pray in the power of the spirit to be prompted by the spirit or guided by the spirit. It's possible that you pray in the flesh. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Is this making sense? You see why we're just dealing with verse 18? Look at it again. Praying how often? Always. Uh, I like what John Stott said about this verse. He says, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watch with some perseverance for a few saints. That's sadly what we do. But what we need to do is what Paul said here. We need to pray always. Season and an attitude of prayer going throughout the day. You know, I thought about Nehemiah. You know, there he was before the king and the king said, you know, your countenance, you know, he hadn't been sad. What, is, what did the Bible says? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Well, he didn't drop down on one knee and pray right there, but he prayed right there. Do you know how many times I pray right there? Lord, please help. <laughs> please, please, I beg you. I did all I could to get ready. Please help. Okay, those are prayers of desperation, right? But I'm glad he hears them. I'm so glad about that. And you don't even know that I'm praying. Now, Jude might because he's listening in on the mic sometimes, you know. But, but I'm praying. And you could be right there in front of your boss and, man, something's coming up. And, and maybe he's upset at you and, and, and you're, you need to pray right then. Dear God, my loins are girt about with truth. I know what's right. I've got a fiery dart coming at me right now. God, please help me. Help me have the right mindset here. That ought to be our way. Lord, please help me here. I mean, just it's not weird to do that. It's not weird to do that. It's saying, God, I am not sufficient for this. I've got to call on you. Praying always, he says. And, and then he says this, let's just, let's just move ahead with all prayer. That, that evidently, there's different types of prayer. All prayer and supplication. We have the men's prayer meeting. I, I'll be honest with you, even this morning, thinking about all the snow that was coming on and the temperatures, I thought, well, maybe it, should we ask the men to get out for that? But then I thought, wait a minute, what in the world just went through my mind? That's our prayer meeting. May very well be the most important meeting of the day. Are, are you with me? I'm not minimizing what takes place in Sunday school or in church or in a service like this tonight. But, but listen, dear friends and, and, and uh, folks here tonight, I mean, really seriously to think about it, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. It is the greater work. That's what an individual said. So we didn't cancel the meeting. Pray. Pray. Um, pray. All prayer and supplication in the spirit. We've already pretty well covered that in the spirit rather than in the flesh and the power of the spirit. It doesn't mean that you lose control. The spirit actually produces fruit of the spirit called temperance, which is self-control. It doesn't mean that you 
speak in tongues or that you bark like a dog or roll around on the ground or laugh uncontrollably. All of that is just charismatic baloney. But to pray in the Spirit, to, to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And maybe He's prompting you to pray for somebody and to, and, to, and to pray for about a situation or to remind you that you can't make this on your own. You've got to pray. Do you have a prayer life here tonight? In the Spirit and watching. Watching means the enemy's advancing. You better be alert. See where the enemy might be advancing. Um, watch this. Prayer... These work hand in hand. Prayer makes you alert. What did our Savior say? I'm thinking about in the garden when he said, watch and what? Pray that you enter not into temptation. I wonder why there's so many casualties in Christianity. Perhaps if I could, if I could submit this before you tonight, perhaps there are so many casualties in Christianity because people are not watching and praying. Peter was disloyal because he was not watching and praying. So here's the same thing that, Peter, that, I'm sorry, that Paul was saying is that we are to watch and pray. And watch this. Prayer makes you alert to the enemy's advance and alertness makes you pray more. Do you see it? Alertness, Aware, being aware that the enemy is attacking you drives you to pray. And the more you pray, the more you're alert. The more you're alert, the more you pray. It works. It works. Watching thereunto. Thereunto. You say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. You didn't read the rest of the verse. Thereunto with all perseverance. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep praying. Keep praying. I believe it was Wiersbe who said this. Keep praying till the Spirit of God tells you to stop or the Father answers it. Keep praying. With all perseverance, just keep praying. Certainly in the battle against sin and ungodliness, keep praying. With all perseverance. And then notice what else he says. With all perseverance and supplication... That word actually is the same word as prayer in the earlier part of the verse, supplication. It's the, same, it's the same exact word, which again, he's saying, look, you are so needy. We are so needy that we must constantly be given to prayer and prayer and prayer and prayer. Don't grow weary in prayer. Faint not, Jesus said. Faint not. Don't give up. Don't give up, Christian. Don't give up. And then he says this, for all saints. For all saints. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and children here tonight, we, look, we need to be praying for one another. And I know that we do. But we need to be praying for one another. Um, we need to be praying for the children of this church. Because the enemy is attacking. We need to be praying for the young people of this church. For the teenagers. Because the enemy's attacking. We need to be praying for the college age young people of this church who are going to area schools here and in, in, uh, in both universities as well as community colleges and, and that are out there in the world and being inundated. We need to pray for all saints. 
We need to pray for the Bible college students of Heartland Baptist Bible College. Pray for them. Hey, wouldn't Satan like to take some of them out? We need to pray for the professors and the teachers, the instructors and the faculty and staff. We need to pray for, are they saints? Well, yes, according to the text, we're all, we need to pray for the saints because Satan is attacking. And our flesh is weak. We need to pray for the parents of this church. Pray for the parents. Now, those of you that are parents, you know it's not easy being a parent. We need to pray for the parents of this church. Pray for the elderly of this church. Many of them lonely. Some of us look forward to having a day at home, a snow day, just because we get to kind of relax a little bit or something. You know what I'm saying? But every day is like that for many of them. We need to pray for them that they, have, that they are protected. We need to pray for the missionaries sent out from this church. And we're going to cover that, God willing, next week. But we need to pray for the missionaries of this church that are sent from here, as well as the missionaries that we support. And I know I'm preaching to a, a prayerful church, and I thank God for that. But listen, the way we're going to continue to be a, a church that's given to prayer is, is for us to come to passages like this and take serious evaluation of our lives personally and corporately to make sure that we are doing what the Scripture is admonishing us to do. And yes, we are a church that's given to preaching and to truth and to righteousness and to, and to faith and, and, and doing things of that nature and all, all that is related to the spiritual armor, but, but we will fail without prayer. We will fail without prayer. Let's stand together here tonight. I sure hope you'd um, take evaluation here this evening where you are and to evaluate not just the amount of time. We can get distracted by that in terms of quantity, but could I say it, this, the quality of prayer in the sense that it's spirit-filled praying. Would you take occasion here tonight and be honest. Be honest with yourself. Don't let a message just kind of go by. Be honest with yourself to evaluate. Is the enemy having victory in my life because I haven't been given to prayer? And I could have gone into more application in the sense of, well, what do I need to do? But I, I think it's probably self-evident. You need to take measures and, and be, even maybe just be reminded Oh, I need to be much in prayer. Father, Lord, I look out here at this dear congregation that's gathered here, and then in my mind I think about people gathered in, in the assembly rooms and in a chapel, and then in living rooms. God, um, I know that the enemy would want to have victory defeat even some well-meaning, well-versed Christians by us neglecting prayer. And so, dear God, uh, help us, I, I pray earnestly. I know that we're not going to see revival or, or have spiritual victory without being given to prayer. So help, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 588, sweet hour of prayer.